0: We all know of the expressions, stubborn as a mule, don't be a donkey, or don't be a jackass. We may have had it said to us, or we may have even said it to someone else, or perhaps we wanted to say it. Did you know that the donkey, mule, jackass, and ass are different animals, but all have their origin in the wild ass? Known as the Old World Horse, the ass is an African and Asian wild horse midway between the zebra (pardon, zebra) and the true wild horse. The ass is the smallest in this family of animals. Then comes the slightly larger donkey, who is simply a domesticated descendant of the wild ass. The donkey is the workhorse of many countries in the world. Once in Egypt I saw a poor little donkey pulling a large dray full of hay, and on the top of the hay there were four large men. A male donkey is referred to as a jackass, while the female donkey is called a jenny. Mules are the offspring of a male donkey, jackass, and a female horse, a mare. We'll have an exam on that next week. (laughs) While the donkey is considered to be a good working animal, to many people, it is very insignificant. It's interesting to note, however, that donkeys are mentioned a number of times in the Bible. Let's look at two very notable ones. Number one is Balan's donkey, whose story is written in Numbers 22. This remarkable story tells us that God used the donkey to save Balaam's life. Firstly, God opened the eyes of the donkey to allow him to see the angel of the Lord standing in the road when Balaam couldn't. Secondly, God then opened the mouth of the donkey and allowed him to speak to Balaam about the danger that lay ahead. If you've never read the story, please do in your own time. As I said, it's in Numbers 22. The most notable story of a donkey is found in Matthew 21. In Matthew 21, God chose a humble donkey for one of the greatest privileges ever given. The donkey was chosen to carry the King of Kings on his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. As the donkey heard the people shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, his little heart almost burst with joy as he realized it was the Messiah riding on his back. The lessons I get from these two stories are, number one, no one is small in God's sight. And number two, no one's work is insignificant anything and everything that God gives us to do is very very important Amen. Amen.
1: my topic today is putting the past behind and going ahead in faith starting again some months ago i told you about the school i went to as a little boy Balimba state school Balimba is a suburb of brisbane which is the capital of queensland when i was a little boy went into primary class as they called it or kindergarten we weren't given books we were given slates we weren't given pencils or pens at that stage we were given a type of slate pencil and I know if you wrote the wrong way it made that noise that put your teeth on it. <laughs> And that's how we were taught to write and after you'd finished your day's work or your hour's work then the teacher would say clean your slate and so you'd wipe the slate over you'd wash it and it would be a clean slate. And we had a saying back there. I don't know if you have it here, but we had a saying, giving a person a clean slate. Have you ever heard that expression? Did you know where it came from? Writing, then washing. That's what God does to us when we come to Christ. He washes the past away and it gives to every one of us a clean slate these dear folks are being baptized here today because god is giving to them a clean slate is that good news that's the story of the gospel i want you now to take your bible please and turn with me over here to the book of isaiah chapter 43 and verse 25 where God talks about giving to his people a clean slate. Isaiah 43 and verse 25. God says here through his servant Isaiah, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins, what does it say? No more but as we went along in Balimba school, as we got a little more proficient in writing, then we were given a copy book. Does anybody know what a copy book is like? Copy book is a beautiful book and it has beautiful A's and B's and C's and D's and all of those things. And then we were given pens. And in the desk that I had and every desk in that school, there was a place for a bottle of ink. Has anybody ever used a pen that you dip into a bottle of ink with? And so we used to, <laughs> we used to, you've seen and done everything, I believe, Dan. So we used to take the pen and dip it in the bottle of ink and copy the beautiful words, A. A, like an apple on a tree. And A says Ah. B like a bat and ball and B says ba, and F like something and F said f- well when I got over here it didn't it said it, it, it all turned around because I found that my Spanish friends have got the J's and the F's and they say different things but getting back to the story most of us on occasions made a mess of the copybook, and there's an expression blotting your copybook. Ever use that expression? It's when you've got a pen and the ink comes out and it falls all over the beautiful white page, and they say you blotted your copybook. Now, I want to tell every person here today when a person comes to Christ. Christ does something even better than just take away those blots. He gives us a new copybook. He gives us a clean slate, but He gives us, by His grace, a new copybook. I want every person to know today, every person who's watching this on television, that we've all made a mess of the slate. We've all written things down there that we shouldn't have written down. And we've all taken bits of ink and we've all blotted our copybook. We've all made a mess of things. And the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's Romans chapter 3. The Bible teaches that we are all alike sinners but we're not all sinners alike. We're all alike sinners, but we're not all sinners alike. Some of us have our specialties, you see. But the, and some of those specialties are more conspicuous than other sins. But the Bible says we've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. And the Bible tells me the good news that when I come to Christ, Christ cleans the slate. He gives us a new state. He gives us a new opportunity. He gives us a new beginning and he gives us a new copy book. That's the good news. Yesterday morning I was reading in my study from the book of Ephesians because I felt I needed some spiritual help and so I turned to the writings of the great Saint Paul and I turned to the book of Ephesians and it is a book about God's wonderful grace in giving us a new start. I want you to take your Bible and turn over here to the book of Ephesians which is just full of the grace of God and I want you please to turn to the text. It's very important when you come to my church to get into the habit of turning to the text. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 2. And I can remember the good old days when I went along to church as a little boy on the Sabbath day that every person who went to church carried his Bible. When you got on the bus, you had your Bible under your arm. That's the sword of the Spirit. And a good soldier doesn't go outside without his sword, you see. And this is the sword of the Spirit. And I urge every person here in this church to bring your Bible to church and to read your Bible every day. Okay? Now look at these texts, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 2. Paul starts by saying, grace and peace you don't get peace until you get grace and then verse 6 to the praise what does he say what are the words give them to me to the to the praise of what to the praise of what sort of grace to the praise of his glorious grace now we sing about amazing grace but the bible talks about glorious grace And then you come down a little bit further and you come to verse 7. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood. That means God gives you a clean slate. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with, what does it say? The riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. So the Bible talks about the riches of his grace. The Bible talks about the glorious grace of God. And every person in this church today needs the grace of God because we have all blotted the copy book and because we've all messed up the slate. But the good news is, if you come to Christ in sincere faith and give your life to Christ, God will give you a new beginning. He'll give you a clean slate. Would you notice Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 1 and onwards, what a great book this is. As for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. You have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We're saved by the blood of Jesus and we're saved by the grace of God because the grace of God gives us a new beginning. The grace of God gives us a new copybook. In fact, the grace of God gives us a clean slate. Years and years ago, Almost two hundred years ago, Napoleon Bonaparte was storming across Europe. Nobody could stand against him until he met the Englishman Wellington at the Battle of Waterloo. And there's a saying too, he met his Waterloo, that means he was beat- beaten beaten. And when he, went Welling, when he met Wellington, he had met more than his match. And after the battle, he got, and you know, on the map, England was shown as a little red island, a red island. And Napoleon, in disgust, stood with his generals and looked at the map of Europe that had been given into his hands. He had conquered all of Europe except Britain, And he looked at Britain, and in disgust and anger, he said, But for that one red spot, I would have conquered the whole world. And 2,000 years ago, after Calvary, Satan got with his generals, the leaders of the evil angels. And Satan pointed to a little spot over there in Palestine that is called Calvary. And he said in disgust and anger, but for that one red spot, I would have conquered the whole wide world. The Bible tells me that the grace of God is demonstrated as never before at the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells me that because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, I can be given a clean slate. I can be given a new opportunity i tell you my friend when you and i come to him and why is it that we're so slow to come to him but when we come to him he gives us a new beginning and baptism represents god's grace in giving us a start again a new start you may say to me today pastor Carter, i have been baptized But I'm not talking about whether you've been baptized. I'm asking have you come to know Christ? People can be baptized in some churches and they know nothing about the grace of God. And if you were baptized without a knowledge of the grace of God. And if your sins were not washed away. Then as far as God is concerned you haven't been baptized. The Bible tells me that I need to come to Christ. And I need to experience in my own soul. God's astounding, amazing, glorious grace. Would you notice uh, Romans chapter 6? This is a book on the, on the grace of God. Romans chapter 6 and verses 1 and onwards. What shall we say? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or oh, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Baptism doesn't save. Baptism is a sign that a person has been saved. Baptism doesn't make me righteous. Baptism is the sign that a sinner has come home and that God is giving him a clean slate, a new opportunity, a fresh beginning. For those who are visitors to our church or new members, let me tell you a great story. The story of John Newton, who was born 1725 in the city of London. His father was a sea captain. His mother was a dissenter. You know what a dissenter is? A dissenter was a Christian who would not conform to the dictates of the state church. And so and in those days the church in England was the Church of England. It was the state church. And she was a dissenter. She was, by the grace of God, a nonconformist for Jesus. I want to be a dissenter for Jesus, don't you? She was a godly woman. And when John was seven years of age. The influence of his mother was lost because she died. And when John was still just a little boy, 11 years of age, he went to sea. He went to sea 11 years and he stayed at sea for many, many years and became the captain of his own ship, a slave ship that went down to Africa and with the help of some of the tribes there and with other people, he collected slaves and brought them to various parts of the world. The captain of a slave ship. But then he came on hard times himself because of his profligate lifestyle. He lost everything, he lost being the captain of his ship and the master of his own fate and he became a slave of slaves. He was this man who'd been the captain of a ship, an Englishman, and now he was a slave of slaves. He went down about as low as he could go. But he had a wife who prayed for him. and She was a dedicated Christian like his mother, he got himself into a tr- terrible fix in the year 1748. He was on a boat, and the boat appeared to be about to founder and go down. But he was saved, and through the influence of his father, he was saved from his bondage and he was taken back to England. And the spirit of God was talking to his heart. Even though he still believed in slavery. Even though he was a profligate. But he came back to England. And he heard a man preach. A man preach such as he'd never heard before. No wimpy preacher. No parson who just was content to visit the congregation and sip cups of tea, like so many today. You heard a man who was called a brand plucked from the burning. As a little boy in the vicarage, the house caught on fire, and he was almost burned to death. And uh, the father and the mother said, Are all the children safe? And they counted the children. They had a bunch of them. They said, Everyone is here. Samuel's here. Charles is here. And then they looked up and there framed at the window with the flames behind was John. And the people came and they stood at the base of the window and they said jump. And he was too afraid to jump. So men stood on each other's shoulders. And as the vicarage collapsed, they plucked him like a brand from the burning John Wesley. And when Newton got back from England, he heard a man upon whom rested the Spirit of God. He had the divine anointing. He was not a party man, he was not a committee man. He was a man of God. A brand plucked from the burning. Nobody could listen to Wesley and be unmoved. Then later on he heard George Whitfield. He became a minister. In 1764 he was ordained. He became a preacher of the gospel and a writer of hymns. His dying words were, My memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things, that I am a great sinner, and that Jesus Christ is a great Savior. I want to tell you, if you don't know that, you're not saved. The biggest curse in the church is Pharisaism and legalism. You cannot say that any of the saints have that disease. They don't. Because you can't be a saint and be a Pharisee. He said, my memory is nearly gone. I remember two things, that I am a great sinner and Jesus is a great saviour. On his tomb were the words written, John Newton, Clark, once an infidel and a libertine. A servant of slaves in Africa was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ preserved, restored, pardoned and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. He wrote a hymn that perhaps you've heard. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. I was blind, but now I see. When we've been there Ten thousand years, bright shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing his praise than when we first begun. A congregation of saints is aware of two truths. We are great sinners, but he is a great saviour. And when I come to that Savior, he gives me a clean slate. He gives me a clean slate, which is a new life. Jesus said, if you believe on me and my words dwell in you, and I'm paraphrasing the Lord, he said, you have passed from death to life you are no longer condemned. When you believe and get a clean slate, you get a new life. I'd like to tell you God has done it for millions. Has he done it for you? Or you say, I'm the elder of the church. I don't care what you are. God doesn't either. All God is interested in is your relationship to Christ. He's done it for millions. He did it for Paul. A persecutor, a murderer, but saved by amazing, glorious grace, and God gave him a clean slate. When a person comes to Christ, he gives that person a new power. A new power. Would you take your Bible, come over here to Ephesians again, please? Ephesians chapter 1, and verse 18 and 19. Ephesians 1, 18 and 19. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his, notice the words, incomparable great power for us who believe that power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. I was reading through a motoring magazine the other day because I'm a little interested in trucks and cars (laughs) and it said there if you got an old truck and as some of you know until very recently I owned a 1973 Chevy with a 350 inch engine, a black truck with mag wheels. And I was reading through this magazine it said if you got an old truck I said that's me If it doesn't have enough power I said that's me It said don't get rid of it don't get rid of it get it supercharged it Said we can take your old truck and we can make it run better than any new Chevy I want to tell you when God takes a man or a woman He says, I'm going to supercharge you. I'm going to give you a new power because I'm going to keep you. I'm not going to destroy you. But I'm going to give you a new power. When I come to Christ, he gives me lots of new things. He gives me a new love. As I'm talking today, NATO led by the United States and Britain, are bombing the Serbians because of their unspeakable atrocities. But if you understand, that's where the First World War started. You know that, don't you? Because of a hatred that goes back, not a few years, it goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. hatred between the Serbs, their Orthodox, and the Croatians the Roman Catholics, the Albanians. and Then down south, you have the, the Greeks and the Turks ready to get into it. Then you go to Northern Ireland, where the Protestants and the Catholics hate each other for the love of God. And you go to Africa, where black race is pitted against black race, and they're killing each other by the millions. What is the solution to this awful hate? It is the love of God. The love of God. When a person knows Christ, he gets a new slate. He gets a new love. And he gets a new hope. The Bible says it's a lively hope. It is the blessed hope. It is the hope that the Lord is going to come. This week, a young man said to me, I can't really understand the purpose of living. Can't understand it all. A lot of things I don't understand, but I do know that Jesus is going to come and mysteries are going to be made plain. I have a blessed hope. When a person gets this new slate, my dear friends, listen carefully to this. Old time church members. When a person comes to Christ, he gets a new Joy. Did you know Jesus spoke about the old vessel? Jesus said, Don't get new wine and put it into an old vessel. He said, It'll burst in a million pieces. Try putting the gospel in sour old church members. It doesn't work. They burst. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 9, 14 to 17. He said, New wine for new vessels. What is this new wine? What is the new wine that Jesus is talking about? Don't you know? Jesus spoke about new wine in new vessels. Should you look at the text? Please look at the text. Matthew 9, 14 and onwards. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 14 and onwards. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 14 and onwards. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn when he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wine skins, and both are preserved. What was Jesus talking about? Jesus was getting criticized because his believers were not mourning. <laughs> and Jesus said, "These believers have got the new wine, and the new wine brings joy and happiness." And rejoicing. Would you like to know if you belong to the right church? Is it closer to a party or is it closer to a funeral? If it's closer to a funeral, you've got the old, dead wineskins. When Jesus comes into your heart, He brings joy and happiness and peace and lots of laughter. When we go to Russia, the people are somewhat astonished for a while at our music. You know why? The music of the Russian Orthodox Church is so sad. When you listen to it, you feel like crying. And the Russian people look so sad so you know what i say to our musicians let's have joy i say to boris Belko, strike it higher strike it higher let the trumpet sound forth i say to dr rittenhouse dr rittenhouse let us have something glad out of that orchestra we're not here at a funeral We're at the gospel party. People say, but that's not how it is in my church. You're in the wrong church. (laughs) You say, are you dogmatic? Absolutely. Church worship ought to be joyful, Up. Beat and glad with hallelujahs and praise God and smiles on faces. Amen. You say, but this is not what I was taught in church. No, but it's what I was taught in the Bible. You say. So when you come to Jesus, there's a big turn around. You get a clean slate. You get a new copybook. You get a new life and a new power and a new joy. And baptism is the sign of the new slate and the new copybook and the amazing grace of God. I want you to bow your heads. We're going to pray. Before you pray, look at me. I want to tell you folks something. When you come to this church, you may not at the start believe everything I tell you. But I would suggest you compare with the Scriptures. Out of it's in harmony with the Scriptures, have the courage to get rid of of the old wineskins. Oh, it's hard. It's hard to get rid of old wineskins because an old wine because Jesus said, nobody who tastes the old wants the new. You know why? They have a drug addiction to the old wine. You know what the wine is? pharisaism you know what the wine is the old wine self-righteousness oh it's hard to get rid of those old vessels but jesus can make you into a new vessel if you understand two things number one that you are a great sinner and jesus is is a great saviour. But it's hard to recognise that we're great sinners. The Pharisees hated Jesus because he taught this. But every person sitting here, I've got news for you today. You are not just a sinner. You're a great sinner. But I've got some other news. Jesus is a great saviour. And if you come to Jesus in true repentance, hating your sins, Jesus is going to give you a clean slate, a new copybook, a new life, a new turbocharger, a new power, a new attitude, a new mind a new attitude an attitude of gratitude and then he's going to give you a new joy as you drink the new wine amen Amen. so let's bow our heads we're going to ask god to bless the folks who are going to be baptized we're going to ask them to stand up and i'm going to say a prayer those who are being baptized today. My Father, take these precious people who today are drinking the new wine, who are giving up this old wine of Pharisaism and legalism and harshness and breaking the commandments, the antinomian wine. Oh, God bless them today as they're baptized into Jesus. And be with the audience because, Lord, undoubtedly there are people out here today who need to get a new slate, who need to have their lives changed, who need to have the grace of God in their hearts. Bless them today. So bless us now as we have the baptism. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.